Welcome to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love, starting with San Francisco. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein. On today's episode, we meet Steve Anderson, owner and manager of The Pig and Whistle, a long-standing English-style pub that sits unassumingly on a busy corner of Geary Boulevard in San Francisco. People have come in and said, you know, I met my wife here. And one of the scary things is, um, several times people have come in here who said, my parents met here, they were born, and they're now legally drinking in here. Anderson fell in love with San Francisco while traveling to the city on vacation from his home country of England and never left. Let's have a listen. I'm not the greatest cook in the world, so I get people who can cook. So whatever needs to be done, I have to do. Right. (laughs) In your own words, can you describe what Pig and Whistle is? Um, I've always striven to have the feel of an English pub. Growing up in England, um, certainly back then, maybe not so much nowadays, but the pub tended to be um, the social point of many communities. It was uh, not just a place where you go to have a few drinks or something to eat. It's where you just drop in maybe to meet your friends. Maybe you wouldn't even have a drink just because you knew they were there and Mm -hmm. they knew you were there. Pubs generally, I think, have been described as sort of a mixture between a social club, obviously a drinking place and a restaurant, but also people throw church into the mix somehow. Some, sometimes people think that much of their local pub, that that's, that's where they go to feel comfortable and at and peace. And when I first came over here, um, I didn't really see that aspect too much. There were some places around, but I, growing up in England, loving pubs, I was constantly on the lookout for a for the pub and I didn't see so much back then this is going back 25 25 years now Um, and a lot of the places that I saw were great they could be dive bars or or restaurants or different establishments but I didn't find anywhere that really had that feel of an English pub just Mm -hmm. just that social center where you just drop in you maybe just live around the corner and just drop in to say hello and I missed that there were obviously there were and are some great great bars and and restaurants in San Francisco but I didn't see that aspect of the pub here Mm -hmm. and as I say growing up in England that was my social life and I'd try different places but I didn't find that pub and the more I thought about it I thought you know what should I do this I would never really done it I'd worked in pubs in England but I'd never been on the management or ownership side and the more I thought about it the more I thought you know what I'd like to do it Mm -hmm. so I put my dreams behind me and turned them into reality by literally going out and started walking the streets looking for somewhere. Um, and I saw this place and it just looked, being on a corner, which a lot of pubs are in England, it just had the feeling of a pub. And I looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and I could visualize the pub. Uh, when I got into all the details um, about leasing the place, the idea of the pub formulated a little bit more in my head how I wanted it to be. I think. I've achieved a lot of it. It's, it's not a 100% authentic English pub, but I don't think I'd really want it to be. There's a lot of places that try too hard to be exactly English, but we're in San Francisco, we're in the United States, so I tried to bring the feel of the English pub over to, to the States. I think nowadays there are a lot more, and I'm not saying I was a, a pioneer, it wasn't, wasn't my doing, but nowadays, we've been here 24 years, Nowadays, I find there are a lot more places with a similar feel now. But I think uh, I, was, I was an early pub 
owner. Were you living in San Francisco at the time? Yes, I was. I moved over here in the early 80s. Wow, I've been here over 30 years now. Uh, <laughs> where, where did it go? Um, so, yeah, I was here and I was working. Um, I mo- when I moved over here, I did anything to get by, basically construction. I was doing some, uh, some mu- working with bands uh, for a small record company in San Francisco. Did, did quite a lot, but I, yeah, yeah, I was here pretty much uh, from the UK to San Francisco. Came here, loved it, couldn't go home. Well, that sounds, I mean, I would imagine that would be a kind of an exciting and fun time to be here, but so is England in the 80s, I mean, in the 70s, right? That sounds like you have a background in a little bit of music. It, yes, I, um, when I was very, very young, I played in bands. I think it, all my friends did at some time, and <laughs> I, I played drums in several bands, and realizing I probably wasn't good enough to make a living out of it, I went on the management and technical side of, of working with bands. My friend and I formed a company in London where we uh, rented out PA systems for bands. That was back when, the, um, the, again, going back to pubs, um, the London music scene was nearly all about pubs. Uh, it was called pub rock back then. And almost every, every pub had, had set up a stage and the, the, the music scene was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wasn't working uh, with the bands, I'd go out watching bands because you could just bar hop or pub hop from one to the next and you'd, you'd look at the schedule and say, well, this band's playing there at 9, 9.30, we're going to see a few songs. It was fantastic. Uh, and as I say, um, I worked for a company with a good friend of mine. We'd rent out PA equipment uh, then we started touring with some of the bands, and then I started working for um, a record company, Stiff Records, who were one of the, the prototype uh, punk labels in London in uh, the late 70s when punk really got big. Uh, and I toured with them with several of their bands, uh, and from there I got into lighting, and I worked for a couple of lighting companies, uh, stage lighting for rock and roll bands. And uh, toured a bit and did the whole rock and roll lifestyle for a while, but uh, but that's a young man's <laughs> young man's profession. <laughs> Trying to keep up with that with that is uh, is not fun. But I did that for a number of years uh, before I moved to the states. And as I say, even when I was over here, I was uh, I was working with some bands and a, a small uh, record label called Airstrip Records, uh, who are unfortunately no longer. But they were based in San Francisco, and they uh, they developed uh, one or two really good bands. And I toured with them and worked with them and road managed them. So, so that's what I was doing before I got into the that pub is business. That's so cool. <laughs> any um any kind of bands or anybody um, you know? M- most of the bands didn't do a huge amount. They weren't one of the the the, the massive type bands. Um, I worked with Madness a little bit back in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. who to this still to this day are still going. In fact, they were in town a few months ago and I went to see them and they're still as good as ever. <laughs> they were probably about the biggest band I ever worked with. Uh, when, when I actually played with some bands, I, we, we opened for a few big bands, The Police, funny enough. Wow. Going back, Little yes. Band. But okay. that, was, uh, that was before they were as big as, as they, they became. But, but that was the experience. That's and so cool. and one, one or two big bands we opened for. But, uh, but I was mainly on the technical side rather yep. than the musicianship side. Right, right. Still, that's, uh, that sounds like a pretty exciting It was, it was a <laughs> <job>. lot of fun, <laughs> yeah. really. A lot of stories to be told there. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> or not to be told, should we say. <laughs> <laughs> what happens on the road in uh, punk rock England stays on the road in uh, punk rock Pretty much, England. yeah. That's awesome. So I'm just looking around the pub here. I think it sort of has almost like this rich, really historic English feel to it. 
So it makes it even cooler to learn that you have a punk rock history. A little bit, yes. <laughs> so I've, uh, cool. I've settled down now. That's all yeah. in my dim and distant past. But uh, wow. yeah, we tried to we tried to get a you know pubs in England obviously go back hundreds of years. Right. Uh, and I'm not trying to. I haven't tried to create the feeling of something really old, but I, I've tried to instill a bit of tradition here. Yeah, uh, yeah. As you say, the way it's decorated and a traditional look without going overboard right. too, too English. It doesn't feel like a museum when you walk in there. There you go, exactly. Well, first of all, why did you come to San Francisco? Again, through music, um, Uh a good friend of mine I was playing in a band with uh, met a lady from San Jose, California in London. We We were playing in a band and... They ended up hooking up, they got married, I was the best man at their wedding, Uh, and she had one winter in London and just couldn't handle it. So they, uh, the girl and my friend, moved over here to San Francisco, and I came out to visit them just for a a few weeks, fell in love with the town, uh, went back home, quit my job, (laughs) quit my apartment, and moved over here, thinking uh, I'd be here for just a few months, wanted to see a bit more of the country. Uh, ended up staying, um, became a legal U.S. citizen, um, getting married, opening a pub, and it it was all unintentional dream. to start with. I just <laughs> just came on holiday, just came on vacation, yeah. and uh, here I am, thirty something years later. It's amazing how small things can change, yeah. change big things, if you like. It's true. How old were you when you came over? Um, what was I? I was uh, mid twenties. So yeah, a young British boy. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> it was awesome. a it was a massive adventure back then, and it was. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of people did the same thing. I met um, a lot of people in a similar situation as me, youngish, um, who didn't have real commitments, but came over here, fell in love with San Francisco, and just decided to stay. And I know a lot of people who are still here, like myself. Yep. But uh, around that time, it seemed like there was a a lot of people doing that sort of thing. Maybe what maybe they still are. What about San Francisco made you fall in love with it? Ah, uh, where do I start? It's just um, everything. I mean, the architecture, the the attitude, the the people. It's just uh, I love it. I, I don't think this. There are obviously downsides, but generally, I think it's a wonderful town, and and it still is. People, some some of the old timers, and I guess I'm an old timer now. People say, "Oh, San Francisco is not what it was." But I heard that when I first came here. So I think, I think it's a tradition that yeah. people have been here a few years say, oh, you get all these newcomers coming in. But, but I think that's part of the, the fun of it. I, people you know, talk about all the tech money that's coming in and it's taking the heart out of the city. It's, it's evolving. It's, it's not a, a stationary town. It's, it's always moving, moving forward. Sometimes it's maybe not for the best, but who knows? You know, it, it's changing. It's, it's evolving, which is, I think, amazing. Yeah. I was talking to Luca Ravioli in the mission, and they were saying, you know, the mission used to be an Italian neighborhood, and I had no idea. Yes. And, I mean, so it just sounds like there are neighborhoods here that are just constantly changing, Absolutely. and it just depends on the decade. And the, the mission was Irish one time as well. It, it, it right. was Irish, then Italian, then Hispanic. Yep. And now probably not as nearly as Hispanic as it was. Yep. I, uh, I drove down Valencia the other day, and I used to live in Noe Valley, pretty close to uh, the mission. And uh, I don't really get over that way much anymore, but I drove down Valencia, and that has changed incredibly from, from my day, you know, from yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yep. It's almost unrecognizable. Yeah. But as I say, uh, not necessarily a bad thing. We've, you know, you've got to move, you've got to change, move with the times and move on. Not, not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, 
So what brought you to the Richmond then to walk around and look for pubs? Pub spaces, I should say. I, I, I knew some people. There's a couple of Irish pubs down the road, the Islands 32 and the mm-hmm. Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to spend a fair amount of time in there. So I was living, I think that time, by then I'd moved down to Pacifica. Mm-hmm. I was living there for a while. Uh, but I still came up here to see my friends. So I'd spend a fair amount of time here. And, uh, and I think I just walked past this place one day because I was in the area. Yeah. Pure luck yeah. or bad luck, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did this place used to be? Uh, it had been a Mexican restaurant called the Little Fiesta. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, vacant when I took it over. And depending on who you talk to, it was either the best <laughs> or the worst Mexican food ever. <laughs> there seems to be no in-between. Right. But uh, I took it over and I had to do a major remodel on it. It, it needed basically everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to put the bar in, the floors, uh, all new sheetrock, new windows, new electrics, new plumbing, mm-hmm. all new equipment. Um, so it was, it was a ton of work. Looking back, I don't know how I actually managed it because uh, by opening day, I think I had exhausted every credit card and <laughs> oh, no. friends' yeah. generosity. And it was just, it was, if I, if I hadn't got to open, uh, I think the day I did, I probably never would have opened. It was, uh, as these things tend to be, you, you get in and then you find something that you thought was going to cost $100 cost $200. So yeah. the, uh, the, the expense is huge and it's always more than you, you bargain for. Yeah, but uh, but it worked out. It was uh, as I say, that's twenty four years ago. This is Rebecca Goberstein, and you're listening to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love, starting with San Francisco. We'll be right back with Steve Anderson of the Pig and Whistle. Well, it may be a little bit cliched, but it's, uh, it's actually a very traditional English pub name. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact there aren't actually many pubs in England called um, the Pig and Whistle, uh, I think there are more out of England than are actually in England. <laughs> but for some reason, it's become a traditional English pub name. If, if, uh, often in movies or uh, Agatha Christie books, they want a, <laughs> a traditional English pub name. They use yep. the Pig and Whistle. Yeah. Uh, and the meaning of it, um, funny enough, my mother, well, I asked her to do some research. So the best she came up with, and it's what I tell people, I'm not sure if it's true, but it's from the word piggin, P-I-G-G-I-N, uh, which used to be um, an earthenware drinking vessel, like a mug. Oh, okay. And wassail, W-A-S-S-A-I-L. Uh, which was a spiced rum or mulled rum, uh, warmed and drunk um, usually around Christmas. So when um, generally uh, it was a mug of this spiced wine that people would give to carol singers, when they uh, when carol singing carol singers used to go door to door, door uh-huh. singing their carols, and as a reward they'd be given this piggin of wassail, and it became the name of uh, the the drinking house where you could actually go to have a piggin of wassail. Got it. And it got corrupted over the years from piggin of wassail to pig and whistle. Got it. Okay. 
Whether that's true or not, I don't know. That's, uh, it's, <laughs> oh, this could be a it, lie. It could, it could be total garbage, but, um, but I well, think... I like it, the story. Yeah, I think it's a good story. I've heard one or two others. Somebody, somebody was very vociferously denying my theory, and, and uh, he told me, no, 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 it was back when the, uh, the pubs in England used to have, have to send a boy down to the cellar to um, tap a new uh, cask of beer. And they, they were the old wooden kegs, what you had to do is tap it uh, with a hammer or a, a mallet, wooden mallet. Now, what would happen was some of these boys who were sent down to it, instead of doing their work, would start drinking the beer. So what they tell them to do is whistle while you're pegging. Which <laughs> pegging is hitting this. Ah, uh, uh, so they know you're not so, drinking. Yeah. Beer so go down and it. peg. And whistle. That sounds not as jolly it as your story. It sounds a bit contrived to me. Yeah. I'm sticking with the, the pig in a wassail. So. I, I also like imagining the carolers getting more and more drunk as they walk Absolutely, down yes, the yes. road. So it just sounds like a fun... The, 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 the carol's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, swash, so that's the story I tell people. And maybe, maybe it's not true, but I, yeah. think, I think it works anyway. Well, we, won't, we won't tell. Actually, we will. We'll, we'll, everyone now knows who's listened to that. Um, so I want to talk about the food because... Um, you're doing a really good job destroying the fact and the myth, I guess, that English food tastes terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not kissing up. It's no, a, no. <laughs> it's so good. It's, oh, well, thank it's you. Really, um, it's just the best comfort food. You mentioned um, before we started recording that you you were not much of a cook yourself. Don't so. tend to be. I, I'm, I can do some basic stuff, but yeah. uh, I, I tend to leave it to the people who can cook. Yeah. I think it's better results all around. So how do you, how do you find cooks and chefs that are trained in British fairs. That's kind of rare, I um, think, in this country anyway. Yeah, it's um, a lot of people, uh, just, just through people I know, recommendations, mm-hmm. and, um, and people who haven't been used to that style. Um, usually if you're a good cook, you, 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 can, you can adapt to different right. styles. Yep. Uh, and I've had uh, very good, fantastic people over the years who um, are, are that good, they can turn their hand to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's, not, it's nothing fancy, uh, as you know, but we try to... Yeah, good comfort food is, is a, a good term for it. It's pub food, but pub food often has a sort of a, a downscale <laughs> connotation to right. it. But good quality pub food. No, yeah. Nothing fancy, but just well-prepared... Um, and fresh. And yeah, yeah, that, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And being here in California, it's you, you're able to get all mm-hmm. you know fresh, fresh fish, the the meats, the, the vegetables, obviously, mm-hmm. and that makes a difference. So mm-hmm. we always strive. I mean, we try to keep our prices reasonable, but always strive to have everything as fresh as possible. Where do you did you come up with the menu yourself and kind of the the elements that you wanted to be on there? Yes, uh, pretty much. Uh, I, as soon as I decided I want to have a pub, um, I, I knew the basics. That I'd have to have the fish and chips and, and yeah. the shepherd's pies. Uh, and obviously, we'd have to have some um, nod to you know, American cuisine with, with burgers. Mm-hmm. And, and we do a deli-type sandwich, uh, which is uh, pretty, very good. Uh, which you probably would not get in a, in a normal English pub. But we also do uh, more traditional food, like a, an Indian-style curry, which is mm-hmm. 
Indian food, I think, is the, the number one food in, in the UK now. Right, it's, right. it's so good. Yep. And so, so we've got a, a very good uh, Indian-style curry. Uh, and meat pies, we do a, um, a shepherd's pie uh, and a steak and mushroom pie, mm-hmm. which is more traditional. So I wanted to keep elements of the English pub, but also adapt it a little bit for, for the American palate, if you like. And you even have a, uh, a breakfast that you serve, right? Yes, we <laughs> do. Famous for it. Yep. Again, that's, that's much more traditional, although pubs at home probably wouldn't serve the breakfast. Why not? Uh, uh, just because uh, it's more, more dinner-orientated mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. pubs in England, mm-hmm. lunch and dinner. Um, one thing I did used to have on the menu, which didn't work surprisingly, was uh, called a ploughman's ploughman's lunch, mm-hmm. which is um, probably the most traditional English pub lunch. Uh, it's basically a cold platter of different uh, hams and cheeses, bread rolls, uh, various relishes. Absolutely superb in English pubs. Sounds delicious. It really is. And I I had it on the menu here and it just didn't work at all. So again, I had to change it a little bit. That was was the one surprise. I I knew our fish and chips were going to work. I knew uh, the the shepherd's pies, the meat pies and the Mm -hmm. curry and things like that would work. But I really thought the plowman's lunch would work. But... Just yeah. didn't. When you, when you open a, a place, you've obviously got ideas, and I, I had pretty strong ideas about what I wanted to put on the menu, but until you actually open the door, you don't know what's going to work. So oh, thank you. But tell me about the beer and cider and everything that you, that you well, have on tap here. Well, you can't have a pub without beer. Right. <laughs> of course, that would be criminal. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, again, I've, all, I've been... Since I was of drinking age, I've always been a huge beer aficionado. Good is there quality a drinking beer. age in England? Or? Uh, there is. I don't <laughs> okay. know how strictly they, they enforce it. I remember yeah. I was drinking at about 12. But, right. uh, but um, uh, that was as almost, well, I'd say definitely as important as, as good quality food. I wanted good quality beer. Yeah. But again, I didn't want to focus exclusively on English beers or British beers. So um, out of our 19 handles, I think we've got, what, seven British, um, we, then we've got French, Danish, uh, plus eight or nine US beers. Mm-hmm. So I wanted a real, real uh, mixture uh, of different styles of beer. And back when we opened, um, all I was was just beer and wine. Uh, since then, I've got the full liquor license. But I think predominantly, we're still going to be known as a beer bar. Right. Good selection. Uh, and the, the beer scene here has is, is changed incredibly. When we opened in 91, I think it was sort of maybe the first or second wave of micro microbrewing mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and around that time, there were a lot of new places opening. We sort of uh, got in about the same time as that. So, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, people would just come in just to see what new beers you've got on. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was such a rush that a lot of breweries were doing not very good beer. There was mm-hmm. a lot of good beer around, mm-hmm. but a lot of the breweries were trying to be so different from other people that some weird concoctions. <laughs> they, they were putting stuff in beer that shouldn't be put in beer. Right, right. As, you know, some people do like a chocolate stout or something, and a hint of that can be great. Yeah. But I think uh, a lot of people seem to think, well, if a little bit's good, a lot's got to be really good. Yep. And it didn't work that way. So a lot of the beers were so over, overly fruity or chocolatey, um, and as a consequence, a lot of those places didn't stay around. Mm-hmm. The, the really good ones like Anchor, uh, Sierra Nevada, 
the, the tra- real traditional... It's my hometown brewery. Oh, Chico? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely great stuff. Uh, but they're still around, still producing wonderful, wonderful beer. Yeah, and now um, Lagunitas. Yeah, and, yeah. well, yeah. This, this, is, this, this is what's come since then. Um, yeah. And now we're on probably the third or fourth wave of, of microbrews. Yeah. And it's, it's astonishing, the, the quality of beer now. They're, they're really doing good stuff. Very, very pleased with what's happening. And as I say, originally... A few years back, it wasn't necessarily the case. There was good stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of it was just, I think they were trying too hard. Mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm. but the most, uh, most of the breweries now are doing really, really drinkable beer. What do you think about um, kind of beer pairings with the food that you offer? Is it, do you guys get that uh, fancy? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I, I think that can be overdone a little bit. Yeah. Um, for, for certain places that uh, are really, really particular about a certain beer with a certain food, fine. Uh, <laughs> I, it, I, it's not just it's just not for us, really. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, you'd have a lager with a heavier meal. When it gets colder, you drink maybe a stout or a porter. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I think most beers are drinkable with pretty much anything, mm-hmm. within reason. Right, right. So we're, we're not <laughs> really into the pairing. That's uh a little bit beyond us. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. I, I would I would almost be disappointed if you said okay. anything Oof. differently. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that's very much in keeping with the comfortable atmosphere you guys have okay, here. Okay, yes, <laughs> which is the charm. I've come in here sometimes, and I've seen. Um, I was actually approached by an older British gentleman who asked if I was here for the some sort of British club organization or something, and I was I was sad to disappoint him that I was in fact okay not. yes so what is that is it, it's a group that have been coming in here uh, for about about a year I guess maybe maybe 18 months mm-hmm. and they get together um, about a, I think once a month on a Friday and they're they're basically just ex or, or British expats uh-huh. who just come here um, again very casual nothing too uh, organized I think they just send out an email like how about for a drink tonight? Yeah. They, they just get together. <laughs> no, a lovely group. Um, yeah. Just they just meet up and just chat. It's yeah. so casual, which is uh, which is what we try to do. We try to do casual. Yeah. So <laughs> where in England are you from? By the I'm way, I'm from a place called Catford, which is southeast London. Uh huh. It's not the most reputable place in the world. Why uh, not? It's kind of rough now. Got it. Um, I was I, w- I was in the, in the nice part of Catford, if there is one. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I go back there now, and it's uh, it's a little bit rough. Yeah. So you've been open now for 24 years. That's yes. pretty impressive, yeah. um, especially with the changing tides, like what you mentioned. I mean, San Francisco mm-hmm. goes through a lot of changes. Yes. What's been the most challenging thing over your course as the man behind Pig & Whistle? Um, I think one thing I didn't foresee uh, is the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I Obviously, what customers see is is me behind the bar, or you know, my staff uh, interacting with them. But running a business, you've got to keep on top of the business side of it. Mm-hmm. it, it the socialising uh, and what people see is obviously a huge part of it. But I didn't realise how much paperwork I had to do. <laughs> right. Um, I, I spent probably just two or three hours every day just catching up. Wow. Yeah. Um, and looking back, what's been the most rewarding thing about having run this business for 24 years? Well, I think having run it for 24 years is a reward in itself. Yeah. Um, it's, a f- it's funny, Fair sometimes enough. I look back and it seems like just a couple of years ago I opened the place. I remembered everything I did, putting all, uh, 
uh, new equipment and everything in, it seems, seems really fresh in my mind still. But then other times I think, it's, it's got to be more than 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, 99% of the time, I, I love coming to work. Once in a while, I think, oh. Yeah, but, um, I think it's normal. Yeah, but, uh, but I think the longevity of it uh, is, is the one thing I, I feel most proud of. And, and I think the, the, the feeling that the place is, is created, that it is that, that community center, that people are just drop in just to say hi, just for you know, five minutes, just as they're passing. Uh, which is nice. That's really gratifying. Plus, I've been very, very lucky with the customers over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's, the vast majority of people are absolutely superb here. Just, they've become my friends, feel like my family a lot of the time, and it's, uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to see them. Yeah. Mostly. Right. <laughs> There's that one in, once in a while. <laughs> Do you have any uh, kind of funny stories? Of- I probably shouldn't tell these stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's great. You know, people who have met here forged long-term relationships. They've, a lot of people met as strangers and become married. There's a lot of lot of couples who are who are. Um, <laughs> sorry, my head bartender's putting his hand up because he met his lovely oh, no wife way. here, and now they've got. Was a, she a customer? Yes, was she like, was. Oh, he was man. behind the bar. She That's was a customer. So cute. <laughs> Just, that's Chris McKenna there, my main man, and uh, he's now got a—he's blushing. He's got a family, family of three lovely little girls, all because of the pig and whistle. Right. Well. <laughs> Were but you invited to the wedding? He had the reception here. Oh, how that's about perfect. that? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. I had the wedding just up the road, and the re- reception was here, and it was absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's. But there's, awesome. there's several other people that people have come in and said, you know, I met my wife here, and one of the scary things is, um, several times people have come in here who said my parents met here they were born and they're now legally drinking in here oh man i know so you know 22 23 year old people who can come in here drinking weren't even born when we opened right. but their parents met here so yeah whether that's kind of scary but uh, but gratifying in the same in the same way you're creating san franciscans i guess i guess we're a bit of history and who would thought <laughs> Well, thanks so much for taking the time this morning to chat. Rebecca, my pleasure. Thank you very much. (laughs) Next time you feel like stopping by a proper English pub with plenty of English-style comfort food, check out the Pig & Whistle and ask Steve about his punk rock past. In the next episode of Menu Stories, we get to hear the story behind another longtime San Francisco staple, one that's a bit older than the Pig & Whistle, In fact, having opened in 1849, it's the oldest still-running restaurant in all of California, the Tadich Grill on California Street, makers of arguably the best clam chowder and chiapino in the world. Subscribe to Menu Stories on menustories.com so you can get the next episode delivered to your inbox. You can listen on our website, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. Until next time, happy eating.